Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Episode 136 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Paris, and this is Chris. Hello. This time we read Signs from Pets in the Afterlife by Lynn Reagan, or Ragan, self-published in 2015. A YouTube user told us to check out a different book about the afterlife, and this book was in the search results just below it, and I I just couldn't resist. I couldn't Sometimes resist. Sometimes, you know, it just calls out to use a serendipitous... Love at first sight. Well, Terribla works in mysterious ways. You know, yeah, Terribla's magic is 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 true. Um, so if this is your first time listening to the show, what we do here at the Terrible Book Club is we read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of the three. Sometimes we read books that our patrons, listeners, or friends recommend. Uh, however, most of the time we do the opposite of what most people do when they are in a bookstore or while they're browsing the internet looking for something to read, and usually this experiment results in a disappointing and hilarious read, but once in a while we do actually end up liking the book. Our content warnings for today, uh, in addition to our usual barnyard language, today's episode includes discussion or mention of pet death, grief, and mourning, uh, so a little little, little bit of the sads today. Um, Chris, why don't you read the back of the book summary for us? Of course. Amazon number one bestseller in all caps. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Communications from beloved pets are seen by thousands every day. Some messages are given in ways that require an acute awareness and more interpretation as well. From the heavens above, signs are given by deceased pets to connect with their families they left behind. Oftentimes, the gifts they share are unseen or are difficult to identify. Learning to speak the language of spirit requires practice, but once identified, the joy of hearing from your pet in spirit can bring great comfort. This book is an ABC's narrative for identifying signs, messages, and signals from the afterworld. It shares a simple way to look for and read communications from pets, pet, P-E-T apostrophe S, in the hereafter. For anyone looking to continue their relationship with the beloved pet in the afterlife, this book can help you identify their gifts from heaven. Love lives forever, and so do our souls. Thanks for uh, setting that expectation bar for us, Chris. Uh, <laughs> all right. Our characters and setting. We have uh, Lynn Reagan, or Ragan, not quite sure how to pronounce her last name. And uh, a bunch of other people with mostly dogs and cats who think they've received signs from them after death. 
For example, we have Dude the Parrot, who arguably has the best story and probably <laughs> that, the best Yeah, that name. was the standout one for me. Oh, uh, we got Ginger the Dotson, Winston the Rhodesian Ridgeback, etc. You know, there's just tons of these stories. And our, our summary of, like, what we felt the essence of this book is, which we usually give you so that you can understand our critique. I mean, it's like one run-on sentence. Here it is. A bunch of people wrote to Lynn about their dead pet experiences, which she weaves together to explain what spirit language is so that you, too, can understand what your dead pets are trying to tell you. She has already written a few other books all about her experiences with communicating with dead people, namely her fiancé, Chip, who was murdered. Arguably a more interesting story. Shit, I didn't get that part. Yeah, like, the rest of this woman's story is more interesting than this book we found, but I guess that's a tale someone else can can tell. (laughs) Um, Anyhow, let's, let's start with what was good about this book, and then we can move into what was bad. Chris... Uh, do you want to take this or do you want me to? Things that were That's good. fine. I mean, the good thing is it's pretty short and sweet. Like, gets to the point right there. Even though I think there was a couple of chapters that were redundant. Like, the multiple chapters about different animals and what color those animals mean. And when all the colors are have the same meaning from animal to am- animal. Just yeah. say that th- that's what the colors mean no matter what the animal is. Yeah, really, really somehow dragged this out and it was still short. So I, yeah. yeah. But yeah, in general, it was pretty, it was pretty short, short chapters, like kind of, you know, had a, it knew what it wanted to do and it did it, I think. Um, I think the ideas are at least organized and coherent. Yeah. yeah. And like they're all its own way and its own laws of, whatever these Logic people believe and rhetoric sure uh it had very few typos or syntax or you know, grammatical errors so it was readable you could understand it sentence to sentence and that's kind of all we have to say yeah. about what was good about <laughs> this book Ooh. uh Ooh. yeah anything else good is gonna be kind of at a near the end discussion about how people process griefs but like uh we'll get to that later yeah. All right. So let's move into things that were bad. Um, Chris already pointed out one of the major things that was bad about this, where there's, you know, at first you have all these separate chapters for what is a sign, like things that are signs from dead pets. And it's a, it's quite a long list. And then somehow at the end, she just starts going into specific types of animals but then the last chapter says, no, wait, any animal or bird or sea creature, any any living thing could be a sign. So at that point, you're just like, why did we do this? Why did yeah. we have a chapter on hawks and a chapter on cardinals? Yeah. If they all can be signs, if all animals like, can be signs, lions, all alligators, things, bears, dogs all get their own separate. What I find interesting is that they mention dog as a like spirit messenger for your dog. But also any other animal is fine. Like, can't the dogs just talk to the other? Do you do ghosts haunt their own <laughs> species only? I guess not, according to this book. No, according to this book, it is an interspecies haunt. Um, <laughs> yeah, then and, we're all in here. Yeah, we're all we're all in here. You or know, else, I guess, but then the, it wouldn't work if you could only haunt other dogs, right? 
Like if I you're mean, a dead dog would, and you would hunt other dogs, you wouldn't be able to work. haunt your owner and then right. this whole book would be a Correct. moot point. Correct. So clearly haunting is an interspecies activity. That's what we learned. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this other, this whole point we're making about the chapters is like, you know, she has, for example, a chapter on like coins and then license plates, which, you know, we'll talk <laughs> about the absurdity of this later. But, um, but then, you know, it's like, why did you separate all of the animals into separate chapters, especially when all of the animals have the same color chart? So it's like, if you see a uh fuck i can't remember now if she's like oh if you see like a red cardinal and a blue orb it means this and it's like they all meant the same thing like all the colors mean the same thing so i it just i'm just gonna seemed... pull i'm just gonna pull some of that up. oh yeah thank you it it seemed like unnecessary lengthening to make this a book instead of a pamphlet so I'm taking this from the list from the butterflies chapter, but all these colors are exactly the same meanings with other animals that could be colored in such ways. Right. White, you are divinely connected with your pet spirit. Look at the bigger picture that's being painted for you. Purples, trust your gut. Blue, it's okay to talk to your angel in spirit. Communication is key. Green, the love is strong, caring, and warm. Yellow, your mind is your greatest asset, so write a new beginning. Orange, it's time to be creative and create something new. Red, you have strong willpower, be courageous. Black, you are protected during this awakening stage in your life. Why does this read like horoscopes? I mean, because it's the same kind of wishy-washy, you know, just made up stuff that anyway that, that color in. code holds no matter whether it's feathers on birds or butterflies or flowers that you see that your pet is sending to you so at some point if it's all the same just say like hey if you see this color animal it means this and then yeah then have right. like the list of like right. these animals also have these specific connotations and then i can just cross reference the list for when i see a red lion versus a blue bird you know right like, right i agree with you it, it was just a very unnecessary unnecessarily long-winded way to say the same thing over and over again yeah so um what what are some other bad things about this uh the quotes at the beginning of chapters get <laughs> real weird sometimes i really think that she needs to rethink the quote choices so you know Ooh, how yeah a lot of books will start, will have um, quotes at the beginning of chapters. And I've noticed that this is very common for people to put false quotes, like quotes that are commonly attributed to someone famous, but aren't true. That happens a lot. People do that all the time. Like they'll just put a quote and be like Einstein and people always think it's real. But then if you <laughs> actually Google it and go to like, you know, page three or four of Google, you determine that like, oh, we actually have no idea if he if Einstein actually said this or or we know for sure he never did or something like that. Um, it's pretty common. A lot of things people think are like real famous quotes are not. Um, and there's just a ton of these kind of specious quotes in here and then they just get bizarre so like the first few you're like okay she's like using a leonardo da vinci quote and like an anatole france quote and uh what's another one how about venture outside your comfort zone the rewards are worth it rapunzel (laughs) (laughs) that's chapter three so you know it it quickly goes off into 
I mean, Rapunzel is like okay. I understand that you know you can you can quote a uh, a fantastical character, but like, which version of Rapunzel are you talking about? Like the Rapunzel from the Disney movie? Like, are I you think talking that's about what that is the Rapunzel Rapunzel from which version of the story? I don't know. It's just kind of weird because it makes it seem like she thinks Rapunzel's a real person. I mean, chapter four is just straight up unattributed. It's whoever said that diamonds are a girl's best friend never owned a dog. Author unknown. So if it's not a quote, like you, you just said that, right? Like if just, just put that on as a subtitle or something at that time. Oh, I think my favorite. So this isn't a quote at the beginning of the chapter, but it's a sub quote. Um, there's a chapter called pennies from heaven and as the su- the subtitle is pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters. <laughs> just it's also the only chapter with a subtitle like that. Like she's saying, it doesn't have to be a penny. Just just so you know, could, it doesn't have to be you, a penny. Could you maybe have just co- called it coins from heaven? Maybe yeah, you wouldn't have needed maybe. the subtitle. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, I also think it's weird that all of this is written from like a an American, a like. You're kind of stereotypical middle-aged white American perspective. I mean, so it's extra weird because it's like, well, in other cultures, a lot of these colors and animals you're talking about would have wildly different meanings to those to those people. So I don't think your guide is very universal. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just find it a little odd because at points in the book... She says things like, I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just telling you my experience. Then why are you, buy, why are you giving me a guide? Yeah. If you're giving me a guide, you're telling me that I should be using it too. I don't think so. Kind of strange. I always love that when they're like, I'm, I have the authority to write a guide, but don't take it from me. Yeah, well, I won't. I won't take it from you, actually. So anyway, the beginnings of chapters, whether it's like quotes or... Listen, I really want to spe- specifically call out the fact that Winnie the Pooh and Donald Duck are quoted at the start of chapters here. We cannot let that go by unannounced. Practice. Oh no, that's your gem. You can take the wheel with... You can take the Donald wheel, the Disney okay, wheel. Okay, I gotta find that specific quote. Oh, <laughs> the, the specific Donald quote. Because um, I think I sent you a picture of, like, where the Donald Duck quote came from. It, it was, <laughs> yeah, you did. You you were like, oh, my God, I found the exact episode of Mickey Mouse where this quote came it from. It was like, happiness is the richest thing we can own is the Donald Duck quote. And it's the above phrase was said by Don when his football team played a semifinals <laughs> game against the Mouseketeers. <laughs> He said that he hoped those who heard his words would be motivated and work hard to find the good in things. Thanks, coach. His words should help to inspire others to find success in life. This is what his team did by winning the Mickey Mouse Athletics Football League game. Thanks, Donald and also Lynn for (laughs) reminding me. I mean, and okay, look, I understand that people can derive uh, inspiration from a lot of different places, but... It just feels weird, right? That some of your chapters start with like quotes from really well-known authors or figures from history. And some of them are like this episode of Donald Duck, like a Donald Duck quote (laughs) from an episode of Mickey Mouse, the Disney character Cinderella, Rapunzel. Like I just, there's something I can't quite understand. I can't quite 
articulate what it is about it that bothers me. I guess it feels... Um, it's like tonal whiplash a little bit. Tonal, like- tonal whiplash, because you're talking about a very serious topic in this book. It's like your process of grieving and how you actually believe that your relationship with your pet doesn't end with your pet's death and that you can continue to have a relationship with your pet. So, yeah, it's a little weird when you're like, all dreams are possible, Cinderella. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just, it just doesn't really fit. Um, and it also feels a little reachy, right? It feels like you started with some quotes and you were like, oh, no, I have to quote the beginning of every chapter. When instead you could have just done nothing, no quotes at the beginning yeah. of any chapter. And that would have been better. The quotes. I mean, the, the quotes are barely thing. relevant to like the specific no. topic in the chapter. It's general, just kind of not. feel good ish quotes about yeah, feeling good. Yeah, that's yeah. It just you know, if you're gonna do that, make it have a purpose. Like it should be connected. There should be a reason why you bring up the quote. Like in the chapter, you talk about it. Or the something. Donald Duck quote about richness wasn't even at the beginning of that Penny's chapter about money. Yeah, that's true. So you're not curating them for any good reason, are you? No. No. Yeah, so that that the quotes are weird choices. They're yeah. really weird choices. Yeah. Speaking of quotes, that's kind of what most of this book is in a way, right? Oh, it's one big quote from different people. It's a bunch <laughs> of quotes stitched together. So yeah, I would say one of the big problems with this book is that 30 to 50% of it is just first-hand accounts from other people. and But the thing is, if you look at them, a lot of the accounts are actually from the same person, but yeah, different I accounts. Yeah, I noticed that. And, oh, there's other mysteries in these texts. <laughs> I, okay, I actually think either someone made, either Lynn or her editor made a mistake with a name, or they're lying about a dog being dead, and I think I have evidence. <laughs> Okay. Um, We're here at Terrible Animal Court. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible Dead Animal Club. Ah, you've entered the court of... uh, (laughs) Of Judge Tebow. Judge... Oh, no. What would my my Dead Animal Court name be? What would our judge names be in Dead Animal Court? Wait, Paris, judges don't have, like, (laughs) stage names. What are you talking about? Yeah, you do. When you're, like, a shitty TV judge, like, when we were Judge Meatball Sub and Judge Veggie Sub with Egg (laughs) in TBC Porn Court, like... Wait, are you telling me that Judge Judy's real name isn't Judy? No, she would be Judge Scheindlin. That's her last name, but she's called Judge Judy... Because okay, but like Judy show. is her real first name. Yeah, but you don't go into a courtroom. So you'd just be Judge Paris then. Fine. It's Judge Paris and Judge Chris. <laughs> Welcome to TBC Dead Pet Court. <laughs> boring. It's really boring in here, actually. It's not funny at all. Actually, some of these stories, some of these cases today extend beyond pets to humans. Um, all right. This, the, our first case in Ladaka today uh, involves Marilyn. And her cat, Miss Patty. Ahem. This is Marilyn's story. For my 70th birthday, my son gave me a gift certificate for a medium reading. I didn't believe in such a thing and shoved it in a drawer. With the passing of my cat, Miss Patty, I often wondered what happened to her after she died. Twelve years together, and now there was nothing. 
My friends told me to look for petty signs, but I thought <laughs> that too was hogwash. Sorry, I just dropped and caught my phone in midair. Ugh. It's my dead pets. Uh, and then one afternoon, my phone rang. It was that medium wanting to talk to me. My son took it upon himself to schedule an appointment because he knew I wouldn't do it. I didn't want to, but I listened. My entire family was dead, so if she wasn't the real deal, it wouldn't be too hard to figure out if she was full of you-know-what real fast. Question. Did your son die after he scheduled the appointment? Your whole family was dead. Also, what does your whole family being dead have to do with the fortune teller being full of shit? Those two facts are not connected in any way. Well, if, if the whole family's dead... Then if the medium gets anything wrong, then, you know, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, why does that matter? Because you would be able to tell, it it would be the same if any of them were, if they were all alive, you could tell she was bullshitting because she got facts wrong. Right. And, and, but it's just weird because she's like, my son scheduled the appointment. My whole family was dead. I was she's like, not what including happened? the son under the umbrella of family here. <laughs> what? Why wouldn't you? That's strange. Uh, maybe she's supposed to say everyone in my family except my son is dead. I mean, she's 70, right? <laughs> my like, entire you- family was dead. <laughs> So either this woman doesn't consider her son her family, which is hilarious, or tragically. I mean, he's setting up medium appointments without like even letting her like you know right like yeah, she that's just forces up. it on her. That's and fucked up, son of mine. Actually, you're right. <laughs> fuck, fuck, whatever his name is. Oh, I don't have his name. Fuck, her. fuck Marilyn's son. He sucks. <laughs> Dragging his mom to a medium reading she didn't even ask for. Anyway, I thought that was weird that she said, my son scheduled the appointment, then my entire family was dead. <laughs> wow. A real, real shift in tone there, if you want to talk about tonal whiplash. Um, there's, yeah, there's so many things. Okay, uh, let me talk about, all right, the second case on the docket today. Wait, what was our, what was our ruling? Our ruling was that she was correct and her son actually was not her family member because he's an asshat who forces yes. her to go to mediums. Yes, that's that is my official ruling and verdicts. I sentence the son to um a large reading instead. I <laughs> know, uh, I sentenced the son uh to I don't know, what's a good punishment for forcing your mom to go to a a psychic? Ooh. Getting defrauded by another psychic. That's what I sentenced yeah. him to. All right. Uh, so no, my- no. Here's the punishment. Your mom always knows what you're going to do to fuck up in a minute. And she will always be right about it. So it'll be annoying when she's like, watch out. Don't. You're going to cut your hands. And you're like, mom, I'm fine. And then you cut your fucking hands. It happens every time. It that, happen every time for the rest of his life. That is an incredible punishment. I think Judge Chris's sentencing stands. <laughs> gavel us out um okay second case on the docket so i noticed that at the very very end of the book there's a little snippet about the author um and it says that she uh lives in atlanta with her fur kids scooby chipper dusty and scooter Remember those last two names, Dusty okay, Scooter, and Scooter. Dusty and Scooter, Dusty and Scooter, okay, because uh, Scooby, Dusty Scooter, Scooby-Doo's in the Dusty Scooter, 
Okay, I got it memorized. Now, if you um, if you look back through the story, there are um, two two tales from people about dogs named Dusty, and one is from. Let me see. Oh, she actually did. Sorry, she put her own account in her book and actually did list it at, from Lynn R. Atlanta, Georgia. But she, she does listed that multiple it, times. Yeah, but she listed it like it was someone else. Sorry, that was my bad. I got confused because why would you do that? Why would you be like this account from this person and it's just you? I think that's a formatting thing because she. I remember the sentence before saying like when I lost my pet oh, and it goes yeah, into like yeah. the sort of italicized story format, which is unnecessary if it's you. If yeah. you, the author, did that, you don't have to italicize it. You're right. I think I'm sorry. This is a, this is, you know what, uh, the, I'm recusing myself from this case because I am the idiot here. Um, and you're it's right. A, it's a total formatting thing, though, right? Like, that, there's a reason your brain was like, oh, this is like the same pet name as before. And like, because you're probably skimming over the names at the end because the name at the end is ultimately yes. irrelevant information. Yeah, but why would you cite yourself in your own book i mean you're not an academic and even if you are that's kind of it's kind of a dick move unless in a you're book really like, in well a book published. like this you could totally write your own stories about how you're convinced you visited from the pet in the afterlife but just don't format it as if you're quoting right. someone else yes exactly that's that's what i'm trying to say like why would you put it as, you wrote it as though it was a quote from someone else so anyway i'm wrong no one lied about the dog dusty's dead <laughs> everything's fine uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean. I don't mean to be insensitive, but I'm just saying I was wrong about my. The dog's dead. Is everything's cool? Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. It's just her formatting that was bad. Yeah, I don't. So much form. So much weird formatting matters. It matters so much. Yeah, because look at that. Because of the formatting, I was confused as the reader, and I didn't need to be confused. This is a very simple book. Um. Yeah, I. Uh, what else do we have here? Um, I mean, speaking of passing off information in a specious manner, yeah. how about probably the biggest sin of this book, which is the many times that you see a study says, or it is known, or... It know, is common. It is, like, yeah. I don't think... It's not like you're saying it is common for roads in the United States to have stop signs at intersections. Like, that is a... Yes, we all know that that's a common fact. You're like, it's common that people see angel orbs. Like, I don't know, Lynn. Is that <laughs> common? Define I think it's just dust. Common. I think it's just dust, actually. Oh, my God. I went to her website, and she's got some pictures up there where she's like, these are all my pictures of orbs, and it's clearly just, like, smudges on a lens. And I was like, come on, man. Just clean your yeah. camera. It's fine. So, I, but, but there's a lot of times where she does specifically say there's a study that says. Yes, that's true. No citation, no elaboration on who, when, where, yeah. what. It's just a very vague claim about a study says I'm right. Moving on. Yeah. And she says, like, you know, your friends might think you're a little crazy, but don't worry. Other people also see these things. And it's like, maybe don't maybe don't say that. That's. That yeah. makes it seem there's a, a lot little of, weird. There's a lot of direct, you're not crazies in this book. Yeah, there's a few. So this c- kind of cascades into my next point that I wanted to make. You know, I have a little bit of, it's not maybe a hot take here, but it's take. Um, 
people who talk about just knowing something or just like I I just know in my bones or I feel it in my heart or there's a part in the book where that says there is a distinct feeling and complete knowing unlike any other this sort of like I just know without questioning it I I think th- these are people that aren't skeptical of their own feelings enough or yeah. do enough self analysis of why you have these feelings and they just let it happen and don't self-examine and they're not willing to examine that because maybe they're scared of what they might find out if they do so. I don't know, yeah. but it just seems like real. It's, I don't know. It's what I can't imagine not doing that because of course I can have reactions to things and feelings that aren't perfectly logical. So why wouldn't I examine how I react to things or feelings that I have sometimes just to check myself sometimes? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think a lot of people just, you know, they have this one explanation in this example. You know, if they if there's some kind of synchronous thing happen, you know, like they saw a, another dog in the park that's the same breed as their dog with the same toy you know, their explanation is, oh, it's a sign from my dead dog. They don't want to think about any other possibility like, oh, I'm just making that connection in my brain because my dog was the same breed and had the same toy. Oh, it's nice to think about them. Sure, love that dog. And like, move on. Like, they always want to assign some kind of <laughs> mystical reasoning or cause to things. And, and, I understand that, you know, from like a grieving perspective, sometimes it's really hard to get over that first hump when you first have to accept that a pet or, you know, a person is gone. So it is sometimes easier to think like, "Hmm, well, they're gone from this world, but I know they're really still there. And some people, you know, actually, I would say a lot of people really need kind of that that bridge to finally accept that, no, that that person is, is gone. Um, and whether it's through, you know, a more established religion that to be fair is just as kooky as this shit, um, or something like this, that is a little more, you know, uh, niche or not as, uh, regimented or recognized people need that. And I understand that, but I don't think, I think that this this book really takes it too far. Like most people, I'm sure, might have a thought in their head like, oh, it reminds me of, you know, Isis or Dusty or whatever. But this book kind of encourages you to go steps further than that, where it's like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, And it also it not only encourages you to go a step further to be like. Everything. I mean, it's it's not even like oh, you should talk to your pets. It's like you should talk to your pets, and also every fucking thing you see is a communication from the beyond. Like everything, everything. everything. Chris, what is our list? Do you want to just <laughs> read the list? Do you want to just read the yes. list? Yes. Okay. Here is a not comprehensive list of things that could possibly be a sign from your pet in the afterlife: coins, license plates, signs, billboards. Dreams, breeze, cold, hot, a literal sign with the extremely common name that you gave your pet, noise, tinnitus, forgetting where you put your keys, water on your jacket, clouds, numbers, orbs, ladybugs, robins, hawks, cardinals, doves, 
hummingbirds, feathers, butterflies, dragonflies, and I guess pretty much any kind of bird, land, mammal, or sea creature that is, could possibly be out there. Yeah. And there's other, like Chris said, that was a non-exhaustive list. So there are Tinnitus is the real standout example yeah. for me when she's like, you feel ringing in your ears? That's your pet trying to talk <laughs> to you by fucking keeping me awake at night. I guess if you if he was barking all the time. Yeah, that's, that's what jerk. That's, all that's what dead jerk pets do. Yeah, the <laughs> Titus, that's an asshole pet coming back. Um, My dead hummingbird. No, I think. I named her e- <laughs> Eve. <laughs> um, I think no I think you pointed out the true best sign that your dead pet's trying to talk to you which is what's your favorite oh you're you found the best one missing money hey are you bad with money it's just your dead <laughs> dog trying to talk to you it's just fluffy the cat well, trying well, to get I, your like, attention in in this book it's presented very much as like a cash has gone missing kind of a thing which is also I guess a sign of the people that wrote this and this is marketed towards where cash yeah. is still a thing for them and coinage is still a thing for them. But like I, I took it to the extreme and I imagine someone that read this book and like there's mysterious withdrawals from their debit account because they like <laughs> gave their social security number to the wrong email <laughs> one time. And they're like, oh, that's that's just spot showing me that he loves me by spending twelve hundred dollars at a <laughs> Delaware Walmart. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, missing money that just, why would your pet take your money from you? <laughs> As a sign that they love you. That brings us to our, to our next point. Um, so if all of these things are signs from pets in the afterlife, that means that you are just experiencing a constant barrage of dead pet communication so, like, if dead pets are trying to get your attention this much, your living pets have no chance at affection. <laughs> they are. They need to die to get in line. Like, I'm sorry. I mean, I guess if you've only had a couple pets, maybe you're fine. But most people who are, like, pet havers tend to have, like, a long lineage of pet yeah. having. So, I, also, I got to say, this joke, this idea, credit to my partner, Tanner. This is, thank you, Tanner. <laughs> Um, it's like a very Tanner thing to think about. It it's is. like, wow, it's really just losing the affection for all the actual living animals that are here right now. Yeah. Um, and and my, my kind of extension of this question is, what happens once the dead pets start stacking up? Do you just, you're just super haunted? What about malevolent or simply jerk pets? Which is why I think your tinnitus that tini- example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's jerk pets. But yeah, it's never, so notice the like, the hauntings, they're never malevolent. They're never even about anything bad. They're never warnings. They're literally just, I love you. Things are cool. You made the right decision by taking me to the vet and killing me at whatever point in time you chose yeah. to do that. Like, it's all, it's all just, all the messages are like messages of comfort and messages that tell the human, oh, the, the pet is cool with whatever you did. Everything's fine. You are absolved. Which... Yeah, I mean, so clearly it's a grief mechanism, right? That's what this book really is. I mean, if there was a chapter in it where it's like, how to tell if your dog is in dog hell, like, it would probably be a real bummer for a lot of people. (laughs) Like, do you keep hearing a forlorn howl? Does it always... (laughs) 
Are you what's... hearing your hog calling from hell? Oh, uh, yeah, that's what that was. That's what that... Paris, what is dog hell like, actually? I, well, okay. I Obviously, like... Well, maybe, maybe the whole idea is that if you have a malevolent or jerk animal, it's in animal hell. It's in pet hell. And therefore, it is not allowed to communicate with you. Maybe there's a there's a plexiglass barrier <laughs> keeping <laughs> their souls in pet hell. And only the good pets get to communicate with the living. In dog hell, there's always a cat in your bed. Oh, it's always got <laughs> litter on its paws. Oh, that might be one of my biggest pet peeves. Cat litter on my shit, in my shit, on the floor, getting it on my feet. Ugh, it is. It makes me just want to violently vacuum and clean and bleach and uh, bleh, bleh. I hate it. Anyway, yeah, hell is full of cat litter. Moving on. <laughs> this is what we've decided. Used cat litter. Um. Anyhow, yeah, I, I just. I don't understand how this is supposed to work. Anyway, clearly just a mechanism for, you know, mechanism for grieving, as we talked about. But these people don't seem to really see it that way. Like, the author certainly doesn't. The author just thinks there is a spirit world communicating with us this way. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I know everything and therefore spirits aren't real. I mean, in my lived experience and from what I know, I certainly don't believe in them. But I understand that there are other cultures and traditions that you know that do embrace that sort of thinking and that's fine however i think it makes a little more sense than like this this is just sort of a bunch of stuff someone cobbled together from the internet which the author admits she's like (laughs) i went to this website which is where i got the spirit colors from and then this website is about angel orbs and it's just yeah, just clearly a real loose network of things to convince yourself that that you know everything is connected and your pet is talking to you. You know that's kind of the other thing about this Paris. Like I said this to you, and I'm not I'm not. This isn't a serious comparison that I'm making, but it's like a book that encourages people to make all these specious connections in many ways of like completely unrelated things and bring them together as like the plan of an unseen agent. Feels like someone's trying to gently massage your brain cells into uh, the underpinnings of paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah, it does. I mean, not to li- not to you know make light of mental illness no, and stuff. No, not but- at not at all. But like, it's just like edging towards like trying to think in the way that yeah. everything is synchronous and there's a plan and that like I know that kind of pushes some people off the deep ends. Yeah, I also think that that it can it can be a really bad coping mechanism because, like you said, it leads to never actually thinking about why you're having the feelings you 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 have, why you're feeling certain things, like what's you know, and you never really process them because you're just like, I don't know, yeah, it's fluffy taking my fourteen dollars every month, and really, it could be an actual problem you need to look into. Like, why are you always missing fourteen dollars? Uh, or you know, <clears throat> I don't know. There's a noise in the kitchen, and it's it's you know, scooter, and it's like, no, it's your roof leaking. Like, and now you're gonna go to the afterlife too because you didn't <laughs> check it out. Like, I just feel like this is so much. Damn, this, that's uh, an intense roof leak. <laughs> You know what I mean? Hey, water weakens stuff. It causes yes. r- causes rot. Absolutely. Um, but the fact that it's like anything is a sign from the afterlife. I just 
why? Why would it be anything? And then there's also a claim that pets can actually materialize coins from the afterlife specifically. And that I just, I was like, There's no mechanism of explanation as to how or why this could be the thing. It's just, yeah, your pets could totally drop a quarter on you at any minute. So any quarter or penny you find is a sign from your pets. Like, that's some real thin... It, there's not even a strand of logic no. connecting these things. I mean, I can understand s- saying, like, oh, if you find, you know, I don't know, you find a penny. But actually saying that the fucking spirit dog, the little Pomeranian, came out and was like, woof, and a fucking penny <laughs> fell on your bed. Like, I just... I. <sighs> And okay, so here's the other thing that doesn't make sense to me. Like, if your pets are dead, why are they communicating with you in these bizarre, overly complex ways? When many of the stories that Lynn retells from people are like people actually seeing and hearing their dead pets. So it's not like they're interpreting a sign. Many of the stories are like, I saw Daisy walking down the hallway. I heard Betsy's bark, you know? So I don't get it. I'm like... Oh, yeah, that's a pretty more clear and direct... Oh, also, there was the one story about the dog who was not dead. Oh, yeah. That, like, astrally projected. <laughs> yes, because he was severely injured and he astrally projected on his deathbed, but then he was saved. So I guess you just have to be near death? I guess... That's well, the power you unlock. And then let's talk about the pet possession chapter. That really comes uh, at you right at the end the there. The random Holy anime shit. chapter in here because it's called Oversouling, which to <laughs> me sounds like some kind of fucking anime attack power in some it kind does. of like series. It's like, oh, it's time to Oversoul. Uh, it absolutely does. But yeah, I mean, she's like, don't worry, your pets are still around because they're in your other pets. Like, lady, that sounds... <laughs> Not good. That sounds real bad. I, yeah. Like, I don't. What if Scooby doesn't want to be possessed by Rusty? Yeah. yeah. What if what if Betsy doesn't want Daisy's mind in her right now? Like that's I, probably very violating. Yeah. I just find all of this very. I don't know. I, I think I just take issue with things where um, when people think about pets as just tools to help them feel better and as just extensions of their own emotions and the human world when in reality whether it's an iguana or a cat or a dog or a horse like those are beings with separate understandings of the of existence of they have their own little cultures like sure you have more domesticated uh animals like a lot of dog breeds but that doesn't mean that that they're there for to serve you. I mean, or that they're like they're, keying into our cultural understandings yeah. of what the color white means to us, or what this coin means to yeah. us. Like and you're I not s- really truly appreciating that animal is an entirely separate living thing with its completely separate idea of existence, its biological urges, and what it cares about. Yeah. So I gotta take I take issue with that because this whole book is like. Just pets are just even even your dead pets are a way to just make you feel good. And, and don't get me wrong. Like, I'm a person who has had many pets in my life. I'm not telling you you're a bad person for having a pet. I'm just saying that I think people project way too much human shit yes. onto onto pets. 
and yes. animals in general. And you got to check yourself with that, you know, I, and I, I don't know. I don't get it. And also, if I did have a dead pet coming to tell me, communicate with me, I'd want them to give me good intel. I don't want to hear like, <laughs> Paris, I still love you. OK, sick. But like, what's what going on over yeah, there? Actually, what's going on over there? Like, how are you? How's your life? Tell me what's going on in cat heaven or whatever. Um, also, is there anything I need we can to be worried scratch about? Anything up here? We can scratch it all. They oh. don't care. <laughs> That's pretty great. <laughs> but yeah, like, do I need to be worried about anything? Do I have cancer? Like, do I? Yeah. Should, am I going to hit with a meteor? Like, do you have any messages for me? Yeah, can you talk to like human death? Like, how, how, ask him to check out the list. Like, where am I? Like, what number? Yeah, where, where, where's when's my turn coming? You know. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like they might want to tell us more helpful things than just, I love you. Peace. Like, I just. Yeah. I mean, to, again, to me, I the issue I take with this book is more that encouraging specious data or, like, reasoning for accepting things. more Less than the content that's happening here and more just the method of digesting information and accepting truths that is peddled here is something that I cannot get down with where there's like, it's all you got to believe. It's a feeling that you just know. I can't ride with that, man, because I know that I'm stupid and dumb sometimes and I have reactions that aren't logical or they're out of my control. So I have, I've learned to question myself a lot of the time which can be bad sometimes, but often results in me not making bad decisions either. So I'm going to yeah. roll with that, that self-skepticism. Yeah, it's just, it's just the more responsible thing to do and healthier thing to do for your well-being, you know, in your mind. You got to think about your feelings sometimes. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking about what could we have. Oh, Chris, you didn't talk about dragonfly wings. <laughs> yeah, this is an aside, actually. But I might as well talk about it here. No, it's talk related. About, it's related well, to data. Actually, this is, yeah, this is perfect because this is like bad data interpretation, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a line in this book right at the start of the chapter about dragonflies. And Lynn's talking about how amazing dragonflies are and what how they can be a symbol of certain things. And there's this paragraph... They can move at an amazing 45 miles per hour, can hover like a helicopter, can fly backwards like a hummingbird, and can fly straight up, down, or side to side. What's even more startling is the fact they can do all of this while flapping their wings a mere 30 times a minute. Now, Paris. A mirror? Someone... That's what? a mirror. Mirror isn't the descriptor. It's not the adjective you want to use there. Yeah. Well, mirror. anyway... As someone that works with a metronome frequently, I'm intimately aware with how long a second is because 60 <laughs> beats per minute is like a very frequent starting point for some practicing thing. I, Paris, I'm, I'm going to set a timer here for two seconds. And the reason I'm setting a timer for two seconds is because that is the amount of time that Lynn is claiming that a dragonfly beats its wings once. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Here's two seconds. Three, two, one... That was two seconds, and you're telling me a dragonfly flaps its wings <laughs> one time 
in that space of time. This is simply remedied by you fucking looking at the thing and seeing that it's beating its wings many times more than that in that space. So, of course, I went and Googled this because when I, I see a sentence like that, I'm like, that can't be right. Yeah. I'm not that blind, am I? It's they beat their wings. I want to get this accurate. I'm going to pull up the photo. 30 beats per second. Yeah, that's uh, that's a big difference there. So she said 30 times a minute when it's actually 30 times a second. Yeah, That is vastly different. It is. And also her use of mirror there is weird because you would say mirror if you were talking about something like surprisingly small, not yeah, something it's, surprisingly it's mere, great. It's only 30 times a minute, which is not that many times per minute. Yeah, that's doesn't but but no, isn't she supposed to be talking about how impressive a dragonfly is and therefore yeah, it's impressive that they can beat their wings once every two seconds to stay afloat is what she's saying which, which doesn't make true. sense it doesn't it's make not sense true. And it's not true so we have a double whammy there um yeah i also had some questions about some of the things in this book and i went down my own rabbit hole so you went down the dragonfly and donald duck rabbit holes (laughs) i i read a lot about pythagoras and that's because i was like so in this book it talks about like angel numbers so there's a lot of and i'm like what the fuck are angel numbers and there's this you know just like with the colors there's this little chart and it's like one 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 means like stay alert or something and 444 means like your dead pets thinking about you and I was like what the fuck how did you even arrive at any of how does this formula work that's my question I don't understand how the formula works so I'm like what the fuck are angel numbers and I I just quickly look it up online and it turns out angel numbers are somehow derived from numerology how I could not tell you but I'm like, oh, fucking numerology. Like I numerology and I have a have a a a rough past. Um, One of the only books that I never finished. um, I can only think of two. Uh, One of the only books I never finished was um, 777 by Aleister Crowley. And it was all about Gematria numerology. And it broke my brain i couldn't finish it i could not understand i actually took notes i was writing down all the weird number charts because i was like i can't be this stupid i can't be uh, but i guess i am or maybe these theories are so fucking stupid and actually make no sense also possible um but at the time i was like I just couldn't believe that I couldn't understand it. And I was like, I don't get it. What, how does this make any sense? But basically it, it's just numerology is just this thing where people think that like correlating numbers with a letter value or letters with a number value. And then adding up the letters in a word gives you a number that then corresponds to a meaning. And you can also do that with like sentences and phrases and stuff. And we have fucking Pythagoras to thank for that. So Pythagoras, oh, You all know Pythagoras. You know his theorem. Turns out that theorem might not even be his. Pythi was uh, made fun of even in ancient Greece for his beliefs. And there's little to no credible evidence that connects him to any of the ideas credited to him. 
Some likely contemporaries called him a charlatan who stole other people's ideas, either from the Egyptians he studied with in college or his own followers, or there was just misattribution of like his followers' ideas to him because people knew that they were his follower. Uh, but most importantly... Like the Pythagorean theorem that, you know, the whole reason we all know who Pythagoras is was either taken whole stock from Indian or Babylonian traditions or just simply a parallel discovery. So even if he was truly the one attributed to, I don't know, I just didn't know any of this. So it blew my mind and I was reading yeah, about it. Yeah, I got to look into this too, because I understood Pythagoras to be the guy that figured out like the ratio, the mathematical relationship for fifths and thirds in music. Yeah, so turns out that a lot of things yeah everything attributed to him there's like no credible evidence to show that he actually did cool there are a lot a lot of books about him are a lot of or sorry a lot not books but a lot of um things written about him are largely like mythical like they just say yeah, all among, kinds I've of I've seen a lot crazy. of stuff here is like according to legend pythagoras discovered tuning relationships yes. because of blacksmiths hitting their hammers at the same time yeah I was like okay so why like, did some like article that i read before claimed that pythagoras found out the three to two relationship for fifths yeah there's a there's a lot of like a lot of claims and stuff and honestly i think the most convincing thing is that if you read accounts from people who are his contemporaries they're like fucking pythagoras fucking (laughs) pythy oh that guy's an idiot and so it's just why also the fact, okay, so Pythagoras' little cult of followers, they were very against democracy. They were so against democracy that they got like burned out of town and had to run away because everyone, obviously, you know, you know, at that time, democracy was a, or democracy and, you know, early democracy was a big thing then, very, very popular. So anyway, I, uh, I guess I can thank this book for helping me learn more about how much Pythagoras is bullshit, because I always yeah. thought Pythagoras' discoveries were like settled history, and it turns out absolutely fucking not. <laughs> I guess just another fucking point in the basket for checking your sources. Um, yeah, turns out modern scholars are fighting tooth and nail about Pythagoras. No one is for sure knows what the hell his deal was. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, he made numerology where you say, like, okay, let's, okay, let's, you know what, let's do a numerology exercise. Why not? Let's do a numberology. Yeah. Let's see what our names mean. Okay. I'm down with this. All right. Does it have to be, like, my full legal name or, like, what I call myself? Um, I'm just going to use my full name. And I'm just using a random calculator that I found. <laughs> just not, it's not even numerology. It's just your calculator app. <laughs> so just by giving this my full name and date of birth, my numerology chart was generated. Paris, you just gave your fucking personal data to someone. <laughs> Chris, it's just a Chris. Your birthday and your name is publicly available. Data. No, I know. I'm. I'm I know. But. Hate to break it to you. So is your address, your phone number, your email. Everything about you, how you vote, um, it's all yeah, publicly available. And if it's not publicly available, someone can buy it. So I work on databases, Chris. I, 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 I know. I'm just ah. making a funny. I know. Anyway, my heart's desire is six. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know what, what that means. My heart's desire is six. What? My six. heart's desire is 18 over nine. <laughs> 
is that a oh my fraction? god chris chris that's the time signature you need to write all of the grave board songs in <laughs> you can't write an over nine though that's not a divi- that's not a de- acceptable denominator well everything pythagoras fucking theorized about music is wrong so you know what shit i gotta make write an 18 over nine make time an 18 now. nine time signature um Fuck, how do i play a ninth note <laughs> well it's a division of of time it's possible it's just not yeah, standardized I, I guess, it's just not standardized chris think outside the box I gotta play a, man a nine tuplet a nymph a nymphlet um my personality is six though so um oh my god my heart's desire is is six what does that mean? <laughs> what? Wait, hold on a second. Wait, there's. If you scroll down, it explains. Okay, okay. So, uh, listeners, please join us. We are on worldnumerology.com/slash/numerology-chart-calculator.php. So, I'm sure if you just Google world numerology uh, chart calculator, you'll you'll find it. Okay, so six is all about harmony. Okay, so my heart's right. desire is harmony. Um, cool. Six is nicknamed the motherhood fatherhood number. Uh, it's all about sacrifice, healing, protecting, and teaching. There are a lot of numbers here, folks. Um, my Your p- rational thought is four. What the fuck is this, Paris? Uh, my physical transit for age 33 is P. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> Like the vegetable or the liquid that you excrete? No, like the letter. <laughs> but it's got what? Which? What does it mean? Does it mean? P? I I don't know. I'm gonna see if there's. Oh shit! There's no chart to click on letters. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. Figure it out. Uh oh. Numerology my... is the Elden Ring of religions. You have uh, you're on your own. <laughs> there's no handholding here. Elden Ring is way more comprehensive and makes makes way more <laughs> sense than this. First of all. I'm serious about that. Uh, my personal month for March is five. Wait a minute. What? Your, your personal month for March? <laughs> yes. Doesn't it just say it right there? It's March? Your personal month for March 3rd, 2022 is five. What are these words? I hope no one... It's not March 3rd, 2022, right? I guess. Was the... Was that the, like the last time this database was updated? What? So okay, to circle back to the book that we are reading here, Paris, the fa- I can't imagine anyone looking at this stuff and going like, yeah, I get it. Makes sense. Like wh- wh- there is no connection that I'm seeing because I click on a number and it's like this number means harmony in the salt of the earth. It doesn't tell you why. No. It says it is. No. So I mean, why and, should and, I accept that? Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong. You know, like I said before, it's not as though... I have any conception that humans are all knowing or that science has, you know, uncovered every last dusty corner of the known universe. We are obviously far from that. We've only seen 5% of the fucking ocean on this planet. Like, keep that in, you know, keep it in perspective. But like Chris is saying, there's really no, there's no reasoning or even connection between why, you know, you should think that six is the mother father number. Like what? Why? What is the? And again, because, things, things because can you be said random. So because you internet website just told yeah. me that, so I'm just I'm gonna orient my life and personality around that. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like the universe is is just fucking chaos, and things can totally sometimes be connected for no reason. But this this just 
doesn't seem like like you're saying you know if you're gonna use these things these angel numbers and these pet colors and all this stuff to to like rethink about the world that's maybe not a great idea um because they don't seem to actually mean anything you're not basing it on any sort of reasoning at all no okay so i think this is a nice way to maybe dovetail this entire review slash conversation into everyone has their well before that even Everyone has their own unique grieving process, right? Yeah. And I don't think you and I are here to shit on anyone that needs the comfort of knowing that perhaps there is, there might be an afterlife and maybe your pet is there and maybe they're trying to communicate with you. I, if it helps you get through, cool, I guess I'm not going to be here stand here and say, don't grieve that way. However, when someone's selling a book full of un- not even unresearched, but like not at all researched at all, judging by the dragonfly thing, or like didn't even turn the brain on for a second to think about what you were writing there, and is using that to profit on other people's grief, even if this author truly believes this deep down in their heart, I just can't stand by it because it's. It's not a healthy... I don't think it's a healthy way to process this kind of stuff. Because even if it helps you with this grief, that line of thought, that mode of thought where you're just accepting things on faith without questioning it too hard can only lead to disaster later. Yeah, I agree that it's it's not... It's not great to stick with that. I mean, I might... I push back a little bit on that. I, I mean, I know that grieving is different for everyone, but... There are definitely some very unhealthy ways that people grieve and, um, you know, and I'm not saying it's like their fault, but I think if it was my friend and they were like, I gave Lynn Reagan $5,000 this month, I'd be like, all right, we're going to sit down and talk about this and you're not going to give that woman any more money, (laughs) you know, or, you know, or whatever. Or like, I, I do cocaine now because it helps me cope. And it's like, well, maybe be said I should. He he pushed the (laughs) cocaine packet towards me with his ghost paw. Yeah. And white means, uh, I don't know, something good. Fresh powder. (laughs) Jesus Christ. But yeah, I mean, it's like, Susie, you have a heart condition. Cocaine is not, <laughs> not the right grieving strategy. I no. just know it'll work for me, though. <laughs> Scooby says. Is, look, Scooby didn't know shit about cocaine in the in the living world. I don't think he knows anything about it in the afterlife. That's either. what you, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Get a spectral bite on the ankle. Oof. Um, but yeah, I, I I do think, though, that while everyone does, of course, grieve differently, um, I do think that if someone is falling into an unhealthy coping mechanism, like, you know, maybe getting a little too far into mysticism, and, and by that I mean suddenly spending a bunch of money on it to the detriment of everything else, or suddenly paying attention to that stuff way more, again, to the detriment of everything else in their life, like, that you definitely, someone should be checking you on that that's, yeah that's i guess if you're good. just having these thoughts in your head and you're like oh that smiley face cloud is my dog talking to me from the afterlife and like it stops there fine whatever yeah, yeah. Like, i'm not exactly i'm not gonna be like you're not allowed to have that thought about your dog like no um and i guess like that, that's the framing that i have the issue with right like yeah 
there is that story about, oh, my dog had a smiley face blanket and I looked up in the clouds and there was a smiley face there. And the way the person takes it is that's my dog talking to me. I guess for me that I can totally understand that type of you know, association. Human beings are built off of symbolic thinking in a lot of ways, or at least most of us. I'm, you know, everyone's brain works a little bit differently, but it's like such a huge part of like how art works and like the, the various associations we can draw from an object or thing being mentioned, which isn't just only it, that object itself, but the various cultural metaphorical associations it might have. So like seeing that cloud in the sky and thinking, oh, it's a smiley face like Cooper used to have with his blanket that I, I liked Cooper. Cooper was nice. And just like sitting with that thought and like being like melancholy, but also a little happy because you had time with Cooper. Great. Cool. That's fine. But I can't. I, that leap to that is Cooper t- talking to me. Yeah, that's what I don't get. It's like, why can't we just why can't we just stay in our own heads with this? Why do we have to be like? Cooper's talking to me like why do we have to make that jump and and my explanation is just like I said I think people really need that bridge to get from like the death to accepting the death and they kind of need that interim where they're like yeah they're not really dead though they're not really gone like they're dead but they're not really gone like I guess I'll talk to Cooper because it's just sometimes people's brains just fucking overload you know Mm -hmm. they can't handle accepting death like that and that's largely I think western society's fault because we don't talk enough about death whether human or pet, you know, um, it's never discussed as like a natural part of existence um, and an inevitability. It's always talked about as something scary, something you never want to happen, something you want to prevent. And you can't prevent something that's inevitable. And unfortunately, we don't prepare ourselves for that. And so then we end up with Lynn Reagan's book, Pets in the Afterlife. I mean, it's just unfortunate, but all right, well, now can we fix it? I think that it would have been okay if it was just like firsthand accounts. If if you're, you were just like, hey, you're probably a person that's had a pet you loved and then it died. All these other people had that experience too. And, and these are their stories of how they felt after their pet died. You know, and if it's just a bunch of uplifting stories, firsthand accounts of people being like, you know, yeah. And then I saw Cooper, I thought of Cooper's blanket and, you know, and it just ended with like, hey, you know, whenever you see something that reminds you of your pet, remember the good times. Remember you, you know, you had a good life together and that you did the best you could for them. And also know that other people share in this grief. You're not alone like here's a here's a like URL to a, a pet grief forum or like a pet photo forum or something that would have been fine. I don't have any problem with that. The problem with this is that it takes those stories and turns it into like you can talk to your dead pets. <laughs> also, all of this is real and all these colors and numbers all mean things. I don't really know why, but this website said so. Like again, <laughs> it's it's really just the construction like like you brought up um I really don't I really don't like the idea that we have like middle white American new age bullshit co-opting the idea of spirit animals. That's also briefly in there, which is a huge problem. Um, don't use the phrase spirit animals. It's not funny. You know, like, don't, don't do that. Don't try to pretend you're doing that. It's an indigenous, you know, tradition in North America and many other cultures that isn't a trifle 
Uh, like, isn't something to just be like, whoa, my spirit animal is a raccoon or whatever. Like, uh, anyway, that comes up in here for like a hot second and it gets me really mad. Um, but yeah, it just really feels like it's just hodgepodging a bunch of things together to serve this weird, like, anthropocentric narrative about how you're human and you're great and your dog loves you and is still alive in the afterlife and it just feels like something someone does to get money from someone else who is in a bad place and I really hate that so again if it was just people sharing their experiences with pet death and being like I really felt felt like you know Rufus was there um but you know this and whatever like you're not alone we're all in this together kind of a thing it would have been fine I'm not gonna you know I don't believe, do I really believe that these people like saw their ghost cat on their bed? No, but I'm not going to like, it, ultimately, what does it matter if I don't believe they saw their ghost cat? It doesn't really matter if they saw their ghost cat and it somehow helped them grieve. Fine. But I, I just don't like the idea that we're all encouraging each other to see more ghost cats. Like to <laughs> me, that that turns into something bigger and worse and not good for anyone. That's how you get the hog. That's how you get the hog. Also, when I was a kid, I believed in ghost cats. I can follow that up after Chris talks. I mean, I don't really have much to add to what you said, aside from largely echoing it. And maybe, yeah, like if you dropped all the numerology stuff and the angel number stuff. Oh, and and the references. Sorry, I forgot to talk about that. And like, and you reframed this as appreciating the memories, the times that you had with your pet because you're reminded of those times by something that you see in passing and using that as a mechanism to help with your grief because you remember that nice time and you're trying to remember to appreciate things that happened in the past. I think that's an emotional skill set that is not talked about enough like really appreciating that things are done and you had that experience and it was nice that you had it but because of time it is in the past now but you can still remember it and there's a lot of good things about that like you know some people think that let's say you have a relationship with someone and you don't end up with them for the rest of your life that was wasted time i don't buy that kind of thinking all the time because sometimes you can have a relationship with someone Shit happens, you can't stay together, maybe it's an amicable breakup, and it's like, that was still valuable time that you spent with that person. You learned stuff from each other, you probably matured, hopefully you matured a little bit in some way through it. You had some good times together, that's fine, that's valuable, just because you didn't stick with them forever, they weren't, just because they're not around forever, because your dog didn't live through the entirety of your life, it doesn't mean that it was meaningless, or that your life is over, you can draw from those past experiences and build from there instead of hoping that you can have always the same thing all the time constantly. Things are going to change and we got to accept that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I could I don't know that I could say any of that better. Uh so <laughs> but yeah, I mean as and I think, you know, certainly you have control over some elements of your life, but death ain't one of them. <laughs> you yep. you only have a mild control. Like maybe don't, I don't know, maybe don't do things that are likely to uh, shorten your lifespan. But I mean, 
you're, you know, it's going to happen at some point. Your life will end, and so will your pet's yeah. life. As, and, as Carl from Aqua Teen said, you can exercise. You're still going to die. It don't true. matter. <laughs> well, you'll just... Yeah, I don't know. I anyway, I don't I don't want to talk about things I don't know much about, but generally it's, you know, usually yeah, exercising yeah. makes I'm you a little healthier. A funny. But yeah, no, you're right though. Um but anyway, yeah, it's yeah, it sucks. Like I'm not saying it's fun to think about, but like it's inevitable, so we may as well handle it the best we can rather than like hiding from it, which I think is all this book really encourages. Anyway, this book is not for me. I'm not into yaya mysticism, hodgepodgey, new age bullshit. I'm Do really you understand not... yaya to be magic? Is that there's the no? I understand yaya to me means a different thing. What does it mean? Boob, boobs. What? You've never heard to as boobs referred to as yayas before? No. Really? Okay. Yaya well. sounds like a grandmother. I thought it was like Polish grandma or something. When no, you said boobs, no. I was like, what? No, yeah, that's definitely like a. I've heard that as a way. I mean, you can put any nonsense syllables together, and it'll mean boobs to someone. I'm well, sure. if you make the hand gesture, any word can be, <laughs> you know, breasts or whatever. Um, oh, she's got weird. some real honkarongas over there. They're yeah, just real. real. <laughs> she's got some real bank checks, if you know what I mean. But you know, if you if you have your hands in front of your chest, round in a rounded fashion, anything and you're you doing say can the mean pressing breasts. outward and inward yeah. thing. Correct, yeah. Universal sign for boob. I don't know. I mean, I assume it is because it's just the biological general shape of them. I mean, that makes sense. (laughs) God. Anyway, love your pets. Hold them close. They're not going to be there forever. Uh, And that's okay because we uh, we all have to leave sometime. And uh, that's also okay. It's time for us to leave. Yeah. But we'll uh, be back. We're not going to podcast heaven just yet. No, no, we would go to podcast hell, at least podcast <laughs> limbo at a minimum. Yeah, yeah, we we have, true. there is no ascension for terrible. We book have club. pledged ourselves to a definitely a demon of some kind. Oh, yeah. Terriblo is some kind of eldritch horror. I think Terriblo is actually, actually predates, you know, yeah, he's eldritch. He predates Christian and demons and stuff. We're talking. Talking some some real shit. When the first story was ever told, there. Tereblo was born. <laughs> Alright. Thank you to our lovely patrons. Thank you, Dari, Greg, Veronica, Will, D, Jared, Morant, Senia, Jakub, Lycoris, Elliot, Kieran, Martin, J, Scott G, Luchek, C Tap One. Miri, Yanka, David, Anya, Patricia, Austin, Donnie, Crimson Paladin, Beast with the Least, Scott H., Robin, and Laxstodes. Thank you for your support, everybody. Bye, Paris. (laughs) Goodbye, Chris. Thank you for listening to another episode of Terrible Book Club. Terrible Book Club is an independent podcast produced by your hosts, Paris and Chris. Sound design and audio editing by Chris, with sound effects and music by Epidemic Sound and sometimes also Chris. Our theme song is Kiss by Yearn, which is, you guessed it, actually, also Chris. You can find more of his soothing synthy sounds on Bandcamp at yearn.bandcamp.com. Do you want us to review a book of your choice on the show? Do you want access to some extra audiovisual weirdness? If so, become a patron at patreon.com slash terriblebookclub. 
you'd like to send us a one-time tip instead, you can do that at ko-fi.com slash terriblebookclub. You can also support TBC for free by sharing the show on social media, following our accounts on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Goodreads, telling your friends about your favorite episode, or by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or anywhere else on the internet. To send us book recommendations or your adorable pet photos, send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com. why but in my head i i sing the title to the theme song for seventh heaven it's pets in heaven (laughs) (laughs) when you're something i don't remember the words but i just remember the cadence of the chorus the chorus was pets in heaven would you know my dog (laughs) 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 you saw him in heaven (laughs) 